Side Hustle Show 287, Choose Financial Independence. This is a case study in audience building. What's up, what's up, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because financial independence doesn't happen by accident. 10 months, just 10 months into his side hustle, Jonathan Mendonca quit his six-figure pharmacy job to take his business full-time. That side hustle was the Choose FI podcast, short for financial independence. FI, as you'll hear Jonathan define it in this episode, is the point at which work becomes optional. And it's an idea that seems to be picking up a lot of steam, although I think it's a little bit like eternal salvation. It's not a tough sell. The FI movement or the FI movement, if you could call it a movement, centers on frugal or intentional purchase decisions, eliminating debt, earning more money, and then investing that money wisely. These aren't necessarily new concepts, but now they're branded uh, as FI, and more and more people are realizing they could shave years or even decades off their careers. So Jonathan was a consumer of FI content and wanted to contribute to the conversation in a more meaningful way. Now, he wasn't preaching as a been-there-done-that guru, but more as somebody who was joining listeners on the same journey. Now, one important note is that Jonathan didn't start this podcast all by himself. He struck up a partnership with a co-host, Brad Barrett, who had a little bit of name recognition in the personal finance space, a little bit of a network with some bloggers in the community, and was a little farther ahead down the path of financial independence. But stick around to hear how they built their audience and community so quickly and how Choose FI makes money without sponsors. Notes and links for this one, along with a free PDF highlight reel with all of Jonathan's top tips from the call, are at sidehustlenation.com slash choosefi. Speaking of sponsors, though, this show does have them. First up today is FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software that will make handling your admin and paperwork way less annoying and so much more efficient right from the get-go. It's trusted by more than 10 million customers and recommended by 97% of small business owners. So odds are you're going to like it. Visit FreshBooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today with no credit card required. That's FreshBooks.com slash side hustle and enter the side hustle show in the how did you hear about a section. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this call with Jonathan after the interview. We kick this one off with the launch of the Choose FI podcast, which was on or around the first of the year 2017. Ready? Let's do it. First of all, when you launch, nobody, nobody is listening to your podcast. No one knows that it's even there. And so you need to recognize that and not just assume that people will find you. There were a few things that I figured out and I stumbled onto or I figured out just by watching it very closely that kind of gave us some of that first traction. First of all, iTunes won't even show how many reviews you have until you get at least five. I'm just going to be honest, Nick. I was my first review. I gave us five stars, believe it or not. I thought we did an incredible job. Right behind <laughs> that, it was maybe my nailed it. Exactly. It was my mom. It was my friends. It's family. It's like, you know, getting those first five reviews are a big deal. It's not going to get you to 100 reviews, not going to get you to 50 reviews. But you got to get on the map and nobody wants to be the first one to review a podcast. It's just practically speaking, it's hard to pull weed. So I was one of those first reviews and a family member and a friend were one of the others. And that got us to three. I think you need five reviews on iTunes before they even show you a generic rating and you're on the map. So that was one thing. Two okay. is like this discovery. How are people even going to find you? So this is like where I take like 10 seconds and I talk about iTunes SEO, which is like the biggest joke in the world. But there is a little bit here and I'm going to get myself in trouble, but I'm just going to be honest with you guys what I did. I looked into it and found that there are only two basic places. Maybe there's three, but for the for all intents and purposes as a new podcast with no audience, 
there's two things that you can optimize to show up in traffic for different searches. It's the title of your podcast and the author. And you have total flexibility to make those whatever you want. Now, I'm not saying that is ideal. In fact, I host with Libsyn and I guarantee you if Rob Walsh, who is like the head of Libsyn, were listening to this, he's grimacing, hoping that I cut this because Apple does not like you to spam their keyword titles. But I did it. Think about who you want to find you. If someone is searching for something on iTunes, they're not searching for you because no one knows who you are. You want to show up somewhere in the relevant search box. So in your particular niche, whatever that is, what are people looking for? And so like, for instance, I think my title starting out would be Choose FI, a financial independence podcast for the Mr. Money Mustache community. or And maybe I even worked Tim Ferriss in there, something absurd like that. So if someone looked for, no one's looking for Choose FI. If someone looked for Mr. Money Mustache or someone looked for Tim Ferriss, you know, my name or Dave Ramsey, my name might pop up. Same thing with the author box. You can do something similar like that, but you're not going to want to waste all of those spots. This is not a long-term strategy. In fact, I would encourage you relatively quickly to stop this because you don't want Apple to put you on a blacklist. But on day one, when nobody knows who you are, you just need somebody to find you. Somebody give you a chance and listen to your podcast for 40 minutes. And we rock that for the first couple months of our podcast. Okay, interesting. I've heard that too. So only the title and author tag are being indexed. So possibly also the episode title, but you don't have any episodes. And if you don't have Mr. Money Mustache, it's really weird to put Mr. Money Mustache in your episode title, you know, like, and it's not ranked as highly. So your title of your podcast is heavily weighted and your author is heavily weighted. Description, it doesn't look at it at all. And I tested that endlessly. I spent weeks on that. Yeah, I've realized the same thing. So that's interesting to know. Yeah, don't do it forever, but can be a leg up out of the gate. Interesting. Anything else you guys did to get your first listeners? Yeah. You also want to know, like, do a little bit of market research. Like, for instance, are there any podcasts in your particular area? So if I were to tell you, I were to tell you that we were competing to be a personal finance podcast, maybe your head rolls and you're like, oh man, that's a really crowded space. You're competing with a ton of people. But if I tell you that I'm a financial independence podcast, now that field at the time grows a lot narrower. That's You have picked a niche. That's important. You need to pick a niche. Now, you don't need to always stay in that particular niche, but you need to have a hook for people. Why do people want to listen to you? Now, at some point, you may be able to be whatever you want, but if you just start as a vanilla interview show, I'm going to have someone random on every single week. There is not a single reason in the world that somebody should pick your show out over somebody else's. So by us focusing on this niche of financial independence, which for me was my passion, yeah. it was an obvious choice. Now you take it down from the hundreds and hundreds of personal finance shows that are out there to three. We were one of three. Wow. Are there, I imagine there's got to be more than, I feel like just in the FinCon community, there's got to be more than three. You're more than welcome to search for it. But if you search <laughs> for the word financial independence, you're going to find mine plus two others. All right. Fair enough. Interesting. So <laughs> a niche within a niche. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But dial it down. Think about that. If you can own that keyword, you know, if you're the Choose FI, the financial independence podcast, Talking about that's your new title. If someone, and we know financial independence is a buzzword, it's something that people are interested on. Mainstream media is kind of hopping onto this. Sure. If you're ranking for this keyword, that again is your initial exposure. This does not bypass the fact that you need to bring it. You've got to make great content, but you've got to get somebody to listen to you on day one. Yeah, absolutely. So there is that kind of discoverability problem or that discoverability 
solution, you know, in the iTunes SEO, hey, this is the Financial Independence Podcast, even if no one is searching for Choose FI, that was, I think, a blessing for the Side Hustle show is that it ranked really well for the keyword like Side Hustle, if people are typing that in, which was, you know, and maybe still is a kind of a hot buzzword that people might be looking for. I so, had Side Hustle worked in my author box at one point. <laughs> I didn't show up very high. You had the top of that charts basically locked down, but it was in there at one point. All right, fair enough. So structure of the show is an interview on Monday, and then you guys do an interesting thing later in the week. Tell me about that. Yeah, this goes to that competitive edge. What does it look like? We'll get into some of our numbers, I guess, at some point in this particular episode. But at the time, we didn't have the numbers. But what I did have is a sense that people that had really blown it up, like had 10x results, 20x results, they were doing something that other people weren't doing or weren't looking at. They were essentially either being first or they were being different. We couldn't be first. We just were too late to the scene. So we wanted to pivot and be a little bit different. So there were a couple of things that I thought, like we have a lot of disadvantages. So this is a side hustle. I'm doing this, you know, what's your tagline? It's not what you do in your nine to five. It's what you do in your five to nine. This was something I was doing in my five to nine when I got home from work. And I didn't have a budget to pay an editor at the time. I was doing all of the work myself. And so I thought, okay, what's the advantage I have on someone that has a budget and is paying an editor? I care way more. That was my, I should have left more space for dramatic pause there, but I care so much, right, about this product. And while maybe an editor is going to put 30 minutes to an hour quickly going through your podcast and cleaning it up, there were no time limits. There were no constraints. I could spend 10 hours on a product and I'm not recommending that. That's a colossal waste of your time. But (laughs) the fact that you got to look for these competitive edges, I could have the most perfect podcast on the planet because it doesn't have to be released until I am 100% satisfied with its quality. And when you're learning this skill set, that has got to be an incredibly comfortable thing to, to realize. You think it was a waste of time or do you think that was, like you said, your competitive edge early on? No, I think it was my competitive edge. I just didn't want to scare anybody off. Okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I did. In fact, I am positive. There were multiple episodes where I spent six to 10 hours. You know, it's, it's one of those things where with a podcast, you just need to get it the way you want it before you release it. And on those early episodes, you don't know exactly what's going to resonate, what's going to land, what type of role you're going to take on the show. But the podcast is this incredible format where you can inject so much of your personality into the show. And if you are both the one creating the content and editing the content, that gives you an unbelievable advantage over even someone like Tim Ferriss that at the end of the day, once he's done with it, he has to send it off to his editor. And all the editor can do is cut words from what he said. They can never add content. They can only eliminate stuff. So that's just a very unique edge for the startup podcaster. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to go back and re-record those first the first 50 episodes. Like I'm just embarrassed. Like, you know, you want to be you want to be better than what is out there. And at a certain point, you just got to ship it. So at what point did you finally feel comfortable with like, okay, I'm going to just release this. I've spent 10 hours on this. I got to get it out the door. Yeah. I mean, by my third listen on a few of these, I was starting to feel pretty happy with it. And to be honest with you, like I was incredibly happy with the product that we were delivering. I also just wanted to make sure that it was a premium product that we were shipping. And I thought to myself, if someone else is having to just get it out, get it published, and I can spend a little extra time just differentiating it due to quality, then we are going to be able to get an outsized imprint, an outsized toehold in this niche. The other thing that I realized super early on, um, especially as we started to bring on our first guest, was that we actually had two, I guess, customers, essentially. You have your listener. You have the person that's listening to this show right now getting benefit from it. But the other person that you're serving with this is the guest. And one of the things that I thought we could do is 
when you're the editor, just like with video editing, you can make your actors look like idiots or you can make them look awesome. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with how much time you're willing to put in. I could make all of my guests look amazing. And in many cases, my guests were bloggers that had lots of experience writing, but may not have been interviewed tons of times. They had some exposure, but they may not have been interviewed tons of times. What if I could set them up to have the best interview of their life and then polish that sucker through editing that I just mentioned to make sure that like if anywhere on the internet, they wanted people to connect with them in a different way, they would send them to this particular show because this is the place that they were represented the best and they were excited about the way they sounded on this show. Whereas maybe on another show, all their kind of ums and ahs and filler words and trains of thoughts that went off the rails that they never recovered or went around in circles, all that stuff was still there. Is this yet another way that we could be just a little bit different? We could be a little bit more focused or a little bit more sharp than maybe our quote unquote competitor. Right. Trying to make your guest sound like a genius. That's kind of the, the mandate that I've given to myself while editing into my editing service. Just like, look, your job is to make, make people sound smart. And sometimes... It's uh, sometimes more of a challenge. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Fair. So I really like that. You're two customers. You don't serve your listener and serve your guests because hey, they're taking time out of their day and you, know, you want to make sure they're getting the most bang for their buck out of it. Hey, entrepreneurs. We know that anyone with a side hustle loves finding new ways to save. So if your business takes you on the road, sign up for a free membership with Hertz Business Rewards. Work trips, client meetings, industry conferences. With Hertz Business Rewards, you'll save at least 20% every time you rent a car. And you'll save on more than just the daily rate. Members earn credits redeemable towards free rental days. It's also free to add an additional driver if any additional coworkers come along. And for those Gen Z entrepreneurs out there, no young renter fees. Plus, sign up for Hertz Business Rewards today and earn three times credits during your first 90 days. So whether you're traveling for a side hustle or a main hustle, join for free at Hertz.com slash business rewards. Applies to base rate, taxes, fees, and options excluded. Additional terms and exclusions apply. Visit Hertz.com slash business rewards to learn more. What else is going on? So was that it? Just early guests were just bloggers in the financial independence space. Hey, we're launching this financial independence podcast. We'd love to have you come on. Or was that, hey, I don't want to waste my time on this brand new podcast with no listeners. Like, how did that pitch go? Honestly, this comes down to your first four guests. But when you have no brand presence, you have no traffic, you're essentially asking for favors. You have a couple choices. Lean on your network if you have a network. And if you don't have a network, that's probably a necessary piece of this. Get involved in someone's network. Be a part of their community. Don't just go straight to the ask, will you come on my show? But comment on their blogs. Go to different meetups. All of these different things. And I can tell you, this is what Brad had been doing for the last several years, not with any particular ask in mind. This isn't something where he was strategizing for down the road when he would need a favor. This was just him genuinely being a part of a community that he was interested in, sure. but it made it very easy for him when he did need something to go ask these individuals to be a part of our show. And even though we didn't have brand presence, they could listen to a first couple of our earlier episodes. They knew that we were putting out high quality content and yeah, they wanted to be a part of that and they were doing us a favor. It was acknowledged that they were doing us a favor but we made sure it paid dividends for them as well by making them rock stars. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing you guys have done that's really interesting to your note of like, hey, we're not going to be first, so we got to be different, is the structure of the show that involves the community, involves the you know listener feedback. Can you tell me how you're producing that and you know the thoughts or the structure behind it? Yeah, now this was a huge light bulb moment for the both of us and that as you think through the communities that are the most 
I don't know, engaged, active, really out there representing you. It's the ones where there is interaction. It's not just a one-way street, I'm talking at you, but one where you can talk back. And we thought, what if there was a way for us to actually incorporate that feedback onto the show? So a way for us to almost in real time collect your ideas, your thoughts. And like, I would take a look at someone's blog, like Mr. Money Mustache is a great example, a brilliant content. If you have never heard of Mr. Money Mustache, you should go to mrmoneymustache.com and you should read through every single article that he's ever written. I mean, it's just, that is an incredibly valuable use of your time. One. Now two below that though, go look at the hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of comments that have been accumulated on those articles over the last five years. And you realize that some of the most brilliant people in this community are not the ones writing the content, but the ones that are engaging in the comment section below. And I was like, these are lost. Like, there's no way that I'm reading 500 comments deep at the bottom of these articles. Those are lost forever. But what if we could turn those into the conversation? What if we could bring those to life? And I think that was our biggest moment. And what we did is one, yes, we included the voicemail button so people could call voicemails in the show. That was a big piece of that. We actually opened up an entire episode. So we were doing an interview-based episode or a concept-based episode on Monday. On Friday, we decided to immediately go back to it and do a second episode a week that is tied directly in part to the Monday episode where we could present feedback from the audience, what they liked, what they agreed with, what they disagreed with. And immediately based on that feedback, we could dial in and we could get closer to maybe not absolute truth for everybody, but certainly a more usable, well-rounded answer. And then right behind that, we could then open it up to their questions, their ideas. So instead of you listening to the car, listening to us talk every single day, and you're like, oh, wait, I have something to add to this. If you had something to add, you can be on the show. You are the show. You're the lifeblood of the second show. And to make that easier for people to engage with us, we started a private Facebook group. And now people are interacting with us in real time and we're in that group. We're responding. If you're tagging us on something, we're responding to that. We are putting a major investment of our time into growing that group. To draw that out now to where it is now, that group has over 17,000 people in it, a private Facebook group that's only a year old. It was started in July. So it's actually now, still now, less than a year old, has over 17,000 people and it adds in between one to 3,000 people a month. And it spins off over 150,000 comments, likes, and reactions a month. It generates in content that we can create Friday shows for years and years and years from. Yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy how active that community is. I just jumped in there the other day. I was like, you know, 45 mutual friends or something were in here. It's like, I felt left out of the party. It's like, oh man, I got to get in this thing. But yeah, very, very active community. And so you're using SpeakPipe to collect the voicemail feedback. Yeah. You want to give your audience as many different ways to interact with you as possible. The more feedback and ideas that you can get, the better, especially in this type of crowdsource show. So we landed on this crowdsource personal finance. I don't think anybody was doing that. I think we were first to really do that. Yeah. You had ask me anything type extra podcasts that were out there, but something like this where it's real and it's live time and you're able to respond directly to episodes and it's getting built in. That was our you know, unique selling proposition, if you will. Let's bring these conversations to life. And there's a little bit of structure to it in that it's almost real time because it's related to Monday's topic and it's not just, you know, random. It's related to whatever topic that you're talking about. I'm kind of curious on the production side of this, especially at the beginning, you're working full time and you have now just four days to turn around this second show. So you got to give people time to listen, you got to give people time to submit their feedback, and then you got to record a whole nother show in a very tight timeline. What did that look like for you guys? Yeah, that's going back to those early days and trying to remember it. So we did not have a Friday show on day one. 
you need to actually have a listener base for this. Now, let me say that one of the cool things about what I was saying with engagement this is actually another unique advantage of not having an audience. If you only have 25 people that are listening to you, it's pretty easy to be on a first name basis with all of them. So if you're talking about getting your audience engaged and you have 25 people and a couple of them have messaged you, they can be a part of your show very, very easily. So when we did initially decide to roll out the Friday roundup every single week, we knew like the most active people in our community, they were known entities to us. They were real people that we were dialoguing back and forth with. So, you know, we were just bringing their perspective to life from a production perspective. There's no way to cover this up. It was a bear. And I was taking the, even Brad will say this up front. I was taking this in the face. I mean, it was, I'll be honest with you. It was brutal. If I was talking about production time because of my OCD need in the early days to outperform or to make sure that everything was pitch perfect and quality. If I'm spending six to 10 hours editing the episode and two hours producing the episode and doing this in the context of a full-time job, that became overwhelming. And probably who took the hit on that was my wife and son, my family time. You know, that five to nine that in theory is so amazing and perfect became probably five to 10 or 11 and Saturday and Sunday. I mean, as the podcast grew, it was taking up increasing amounts of my time. It's a wonderful problem to have because I very quickly saw where this was headed and that we were seeing exponential growth. But there was a question in my mind about how long I could keep it going. Yeah, I was going to ask about the family situation. What's going on at home? You know, if there's anybody else vying for your evening and weekend time there. Tell me about the community and your time involvement in there. Because if you're trying to respond to every comment, that's just nuts based on what I've seen in just a week inside of that group. Well, at this point with 17,000 members, I am not responding to every comment. I'm replying to ones that are like related to something that I'm interested in or that I have liked because now it shows up on my Facebook thread or something that somebody has specifically tagged me in. There is no way to keep up with every single comment. The cool thing is very, very quickly, I no longer needed to. The Facebook group did not rely on me. Now I'm telling you that the Facebook group is generating endless content for shows, giving us ideas for new guests to reach out to, giving us ideas for new questions to tackle. I mean, it is a content generator. That does not mean that I am solely responsible. So my early the people that were the most engaged very early on, I quickly asked to join us on a moderator team. So now we have a moderator team of about eight people, eight to 10 people, and they are handling the brunt of making sure that maybe the conversation doesn't go off the rails or that someone isn't getting out of hand. We try to really promote this, keep it like the guiding light is keep it friendly. And over time, especially as you start talking about tens of thousands of people, you can end up with a Molotov cocktail in any situation. And my moderator team is mind-blowingly awesome. And they just, they do an incredible job. So that does not require us doing it, but- Are those all volunteers? Yeah, all volunteers that they're just trying to help us out. And they believe in this. This is something that they're excited about. This is where they would be spending their time anyways. And they're getting to interact with it in this other capacity. But yeah, this is 100% just a labor of love for them. Now, I know it's a labor of love for you as well, but it's also turned into a pretty substantial business. Tell me about the money side of things. How does Choose FI earn revenue? Yeah, so this was another interesting one. And we went back and forth on how to do this. I mean, you probably better than anyone that I've talked to up to this point understands the different ways that you can make money online. But for a podcasting perspective, the two most obvious ones are have a course and sell it, I guess, and market it on your course, sponsorships or affiliate marketing. Those are kind of like the three obvious place for a podcast. One other thing that I realized is that while many bloggers have amazing websites and many podcasters have amazing podcasts. Very few podcasters, almost no podcasters have a great website. They just don't. They, for whatever reason, gloss right over this. And while it is a little bit more one-dimensional with your options on how to monetize a podcast, 
if you have a podcast that drives traffic to a blog or a website, your options suddenly blow up and you have all of the traditional options and way more ability to capture on that. Podcasting has a unique advantage in that you make a very intimate connection with your listener over time as you're kind of relaying small bits of your own personal life story. They're on this journey with you in the best possible way. And so one of the things that we found is while at the point that you know, we'll talk about some numbers in a little bit here, but very quickly, we had the numbers to be able to get virtually any sponsorship that we wanted to. That for us, we thought it would actually slow down our growth. It would actually mess with the heartbeat of the show the kind of the natural rhythm if every 15, 20 minutes we were to break that up. But by focusing on building an incredibly engaging website with content, good show notes and articles, we could use the podcast to drive traffic to the website and we could monetize the website through affiliate income. And that has been incredibly successful. And you know, while we may branch out and try other things, we have basically at this point decided not to do any sponsorships on the podcast at all and only ask our listeners if they want to support us to use our affiliate links on the website. And I believe that we are, from a profitability perspective, doing much better than we would just based on the simple economics of sponsorship listens. Yeah, is there a specific call to action on the show to, hey, like you said, if you would like to support us, go check out our affiliate links or... Is it more subtle than that? It's both. We try to be overt with everybody listening to let them know that this is a way that they can support us. People have called and or emailed us and asked if there's a way that they can donate money or support us that way through Patreon. I'm not opposed to that, yeah. but we have just for simplicity and kind of being focused on this for right now, we have added a kind of a four ways to support the show at the end of most of our main episodes. And we basically say, if you want to support us, Go sign up for a personal capital account. Use our affiliate link. It's completely free. Use our links to sign up for travel credit cards. You know, it's a few of those things. And just do us a favor, tell your family and friends. Like if you really want to support us, but you don't have any money, you don't want to sign up for any of these services, just tell someone else about the show. And I would say that just through organic traffic without any major viral moments or big, you know, media bust or anything like that, we were getting 10% month over month growth just from that alone. Okay. Yeah. I really like that. Hey, if you like the show, here are some ways you can support it. That makes sense. Yeah. And then there's other, you know, it's not limited to that. This is kind of like an a la carte menu where you pick what works for you. There's other times where at this point, if we just mention something on the show, I say, guys, this is an affiliate link. I'm incredibly excited about this. And I think you should be too. I think it's worth your time to check it out. And, you know, there are other ways that you just may drop an affiliate link overtly. And then you obviously, as your brand presence grows, it's no longer just your podcast anymore that's driving everything. Our website now has gotten over, I think it just recently passed a million page views. So it's not like this record-breaking website in the context of websites that get millions of page views per month. But within a year and three or four months, that's a pretty respectable website for a podcast or a podcast. No kidding. Is there a blog component too, or is it just all show notes? Yeah. Now, initially I tried to blog as well and write some articles. It's not really my strength. I wish I were a better writer. I have all these ideas. I could talk about them forever. And I've come up with ways to take some of my verbal thoughts and turn them into documents. But if I were just to go write myself, like I just hit a wall. So there were about five to 10 articles that I wrote myself. Brad wrote some as well. And for a while, it was just the show notes, but we did want additional content. And we actually opened it up to our community and said, would anybody in our community actually like to tell your story on Choose Defy? So they're in our Facebook group. They've been listening to the show. They've called in voicemails. They obviously have something on their heart, right? That's related to financial independence, something, their unique story. And they don't have a blog. They don't have a place to tell it. 
what if we could position ourselves kind of like, I don't know, I'll just pick something right now. Is it Medium or Huffington Post? Something like that where people can tell their story, their path to financial independence on our site. And a lot of people stood up and said, yes, me, I would love to do that. I would love to be a part of that. And so now we have anywhere up to like 30 writers that occasionally chip in with an article. And sometimes we will reach out and ask someone specifically to write an article. So it goes both ways. Oh, that's incredible. Do you pay those people or are those also volunteers? All volunteers. We have brought in some freelance writers to write some specific articles for us. But for our community, a lot of them, this is just, it's not about the money for them. This is something where they have a story that they want to share. And at this point now with the site gaining the traffic, if you want to think about it as its most simple level, think about someone that's thinking about starting a blog and they want to try to write a few articles and see if really it's just a one-off or if it's something they want to do. So I have multiple people that wrote a couple articles for us, maybe three or five articles for us. And then with the confidence that they gained and kind of the behind the scenes look at how it worked then started their own blog and have continued now that they have the traffic, the brand recognition, they've helped us build our community, have taken that little bit to then start off on their own. So there are other incentives, other ways to pay people other than money directly. Certainly money is a good thing and you know that is absolutely awesome, but it's not always the most important thing. People want to participate in communities for different reasons. And I think that sense of sharing your story can't be overstated. Yeah. It reminds me of a presentation I saw Cliff Ravenscraft give at a podcast movement conference a couple of months ago. And he had a listener reach out to him and he's like, Hey, you've been doing the show for however many months. And I only get 300 downloads. And he was like, well, pause right there. The word you need to remove from your vocabulary is only, because as I'm giving this talk, you know, there are probably only 300 people in this room right now. And that's a lot of freaking people. And he's like, you talking about like, you probably know those people individually, one on one, you recognize their names, you can give it's like building that force from kind of the ground up with his argument. And that's a really powerful way to do it. I'm kind of excited by what you guys have done involving the community in the show in the Facebook group, and even to create content on the blog. And I'm sure that drives Google traffic and just you know, the rising tide lifts all boats for the affiliate links and everything else. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. 
It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. Two million downloads in the first year. Were there any inflection points or killer guests that somehow shared it with their massive audience or what? It took me years to hit that number. So I'm just partially out of interest and just partially for the sake of listeners. What do you think made it take off so quickly? Well, first of all, I knew very quickly by doing that market research and telling you, like we set up the beginning of this episode that the FI community, FI is a word that's on people's minds, increasingly so. In fact, I think Money Magazine just picked up financial independence and was talking about it in the context of an article that was just released. I think all of us at some point want to get to the place where working for money is optional. Not to say we don't work, but we're not driven by that fear of how we're going to keep the lights on anymore. So it's a very powerful concept. That's one. Proof of concept was the hundreds, if not thousands of blogs that were getting massive readership, at least hundreds of blogs that were getting massive readership in this community. And then when I realized that when I searched for financial independence, I saw two podcasts at the time, right? Okay. So tons of blogs, a hot topic or a trending topic that more and more people are interested in, tons of blogs talking about it, but not a lot of podcasts. So an opportunity to kind of take it to a new medium. Yeah, I really think so. And then the other question is like, what are you interested in? Like you, Nick Loper, but also me and also the respective audience that's listening to this. What is it that excites you? And for me, it's this idea of infotainment. So I don't really get a kick out of watching TV anymore. Maybe on in the background while I'm working on something else, but it is mostly just background noise. I want to learn something and be entertained at the same time. That was something that honestly, if I were to look at who is doing the best job of that, for the longest period of time, it was Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has 3 million listeners that check in, not necessarily on the podcast, but between the podcast, radio station, TV exposure, something like that. They estimate it. It's around 3 million people that he's accumulated over the last 20 years. And none of those people are aware of the concept of financial independence. And my other little light bulb moment here was nobody's reaching out to them. That is a massive audience that nobody is reaching out to. And FI is the natural graduation of that. You know, if Dave Ramsey is very much about get to debt free, where financial independence is to get to the point where working is optional. And also, in my opinion, that is the most powerful idea in the world. Everything else is a tool to get to that point, but I think we all want that. So I was like, if we can create a show that's informational, it's accurate, it's good, it's entertaining, that's the other piece. And it's also inspirational where you walk away and your mood is shifted. It's just put you in a good place. That'll be addictive. And it's something that I would want to look back into. It's honestly, that was the mindset on day one. Early on, we were trying to figure out what is our voice going to be? This is a really interesting exercise for any blogger or any podcaster. 
Think about how you're interacting with people on these platforms and realize that you really do have to make a choice on how you're doing it. You can be the guru, right? The guy preaching down from on high on what exactly you need to do. You can be the teacher. You can be the friend. You can be the student learning right along with them. You can be the scholar. There's all these different voices that you can take. And I thought, what if we could grab maybe a couple of those and mix them up? So it's not always the same thing, but you kind of get inspired and you take action and then you see how all these things kind of come together. So behind the scenes, that's what we wanted to create. Congrats on that. Tell me about the day that you quit your job. Yeah. So this is interesting. So to understand this fully, you need to understand a little bit about my background. I am not a radio personality. I did not grow up thinking that I was going to be a talking head for personal finance. I went to pharmacy school and I graduated pharmacy school at the age of 28 years old with $168,000 in student loan debt. But being so interested in what does it look like to get my financial ground game in order, I decided to pay it off aggressively. At pharmacy, you do make an entry-level six-figure salary, at least here in the United States. And I lived on a small fraction of my income and basically sent every other dollar I had after tax to my student loans. I had it paid off in about four years. This entire time, I was rapidly consuming all of this type of content, this personal finance content. And I got to debt free about six months into my podcast. So I'm working full time, spending every dollar that I make at work basically to my student loans. And roughly about six months into the side hustle, I have my student loans finished. But now I have this really high savings rate. Obviously, if you're saving this much, then your life doesn't cost this much. I think my life costs somewhere between thirty dollars to $40,000 a year, somewhere in that range. And I put every penny I had now into savings. Very quickly, I had about a year's worth of savings, maybe even a little bit more than that, year and a half worth of savings. And also at the same time, due to the monetization that we talked about and the growth of the podcast, the podcast was just at the point where, and keep in mind that I have a 50% business model. So with me and my partner, that my portion of the profits were about to cover my core expenses. I'm not saying there was anything extra, but like I have a year of runway, a year of financial runway. And I have a small business that is rapidly covering all of my keep the light on expenses. No discretionary, but keep the light on expenses. Sure, and sure. it appears to be growing 10% month over month, not year over year, but month over month. Yeah. So you're debt free at this point. Your business is making money, not anything crazy, but you've got the comfort of that year of runway. And then you told me you're trying to take a vacation. What's going on there? Now we're talking about August. So eight to nine months after I've started the podcast, the podcast has continued to grow a little bit and I'm just barely past that margin, that break even point. At this point, I'm feeling very comfortable about it. And I actually got a voicemail from a guy that had stumbled across our podcast, was blown away. He had just heard Mr. Money Mustache on Tim Ferriss and was looking for additional content and found our podcast and was wanting to make a documentary and wanted to see whether or not he could come you know, film us and include us in this documentary. So this was going to be like a couple days carved out of my schedule. On top of that, I was planning on going to FinCon, my very first ever FinCon, because you're a podcaster, a blogger, and you're building a brand presence inside the personal finance space to go to FinCon. It's a really good idea. You gotta I, go. It's the best event of the year. I agree. I still feel that way. And then on top of that, I'd been promising my wife forever that we'd go visit her family. Her family's actually from Zimbabwe, and we were going to take two weeks off and go do that. Now, pharmacy is not one of these professions where you have a flexible schedule. In pharmacy in October, if you have any pharmacists listening to this, you know that that is an even crazier time of year. But I did look at the policies 
policies. And I saw that the policies for my job did allow for an unpaid leave of absence, which could be approved by manager approval. I reached out to my district manager to ask him, basically stating a little bit of everything that I just told you. Wait, wait, why is October busy? Like people need more drugs in October? Oh, it's flu shot season. Great question. Flu shot season. Oh, okay. You just start dialing in all these clinics and going to local businesses and doing flu shots. It's just kind of comes with retail pharmacy. Fair enough. Yeah, I can see how that was a little bit of inside baseball unnecessarily. My bad. <laughs> no, I'm just like, well, wait a minute. It's not like, oh, I could picture tax season being busy in March and April. I didn't realize that pharmacy had a busy season. October at pharmacy. Yep, yep, yep. Flu shot season. All right. So there's a clause for the potential for unpaid leave. Yes, absolutely. And so I go to my boss and I say, you know, with everything that I got going on, would it be possible? I've gotten everything sorted at work and I have good coverage in place. Like the business will be fine. Would it be possible for me to take a three week unpaid leave of absence? I just don't think that all of this is sustainable. I can't be present here and do these other things. And he said, you know what? I don't think that's in the best interest of the company. I'll be honest with you. I had my eyes on the door for a long time. I was looking at what it would take for me to be able to safely exit my job. But to be honest, my wife was a little bit you know, skeptical. This is a business. Who knows if it disappears? It popped up so quickly. Could it go away tomorrow? And while I was slowly working her down from like, hey, I think in the next five years, I could probably exit the workforce. And I think in the next three years, I could probably leave and do this full time. I think in the next year, I could probably focus on this. Like if I had tried to push it and say, hey, I want to leave in September and just risk it, there's no way I was getting approval. And there's also no way I was going against my wife on this one. But when my boss who, you know, my boss looks at all the work that I've done and I've done a good job by any standard with the company and says, I don't think it's in the best interest of the company. Now my wife is pissed. She is pissed off for me. And she said, you know what? I think you should put your two weeks in. And I did it. And that in the FI community is what we call FU money. And we can say that that in the kid-friendly space is freedom unlimited. But basically, I exercised the fact that I had a great financial ground game. I had a frugal lifestyle that really didn't cost that much to feed my family. I had a year and a half of expenses and I had a side hustle that I built in my five to nine that was now paying the bills. I could make the choice that wasn't in my work's best interest, but it was definitely in mine. Did your boss know about the podcast? I sometimes wonder. I mean, I did tell them about it, but I don't know if they've ever gone back and listened. It does kind of continue to blow up. So it does kind of vaguely worry me that sometimes they hear me throwing them under the bus, but I don't worry about it too much. Okay. Well, that's a question that comes up all the time. I was like, well, if I'm doing especially like a public facing business like you are, you know, what happens when work finds out about it, especially when it's like financial in nature, like in this example, where you know, yeah. about- I thought about going anonymous with it, but I just didn't like the way that plays out. If you spend all this time building a brand to then have a brand behind an anonymous person just kind of felt weird. That was one. Two, my partner wasn't anonymous. So there, I just really felt like it would be even doubly weird. Well, there you have it. Sounds like things have done nothing but continue to climb since then. So I think you made the right call there. I'm excited for you guys. Choosefi.com. Check out the blog. Check out the podcast. See what Jonathan and Brad are up to over there. Let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. What I want to get across, the most important thing for me is you really, you don't know what you don't know until you do. And in light of that, position yourself to take in quality, good information that can drive you forward. You know, stop waiting for permission, take action. Stop waiting for permission and take action. That's exactly what Jonathan has done. And 10 months later, he has ended up quitting his job and is a full-time podcaster, financial independent with FU Freedom Unlimited Money. Jonathan, man, I love it. We'll catch up with you soon. All right. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate your time. 
Common theme for the show is developing the skill of learning new skills. And if you're about to launch your side hustle, or if you're already neck deep in it, handling your numbers, your paperwork, your administrative stuff, that's a skill that needs some attention. And thankfully, that's where our sponsor, FreshBooks.com, comes in. FreshBooks makes ridiculously easy cloud accounting software designed specifically for side hustlers and freelancers who need to get up to speed in a hurry on the bookkeeping and accounting front. The reason I mentioned getting up to speed in a hurry is because FreshBooks has designed their software so that there's pretty much no learning curve. For instance, you can create and send polished, professional-looking invoices in about 30 seconds. You can set yourself up to receive payments online in just two clicks, and you can take pictures of receipts with your phone to make managing your expenses about a million times easier. Truthfully, this is just a sliver of what FreshBooks can do to help you master the skill of dealing with your paperwork. I've been a customer for years, and as a Side Hustle Show listener, I want to invite you to claim your unrestricted 30-day free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle, and enter the Side Hustle Show in the How Did You Hear About Us section. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Jonathan. Number one is to tackle a big enough market. The riches may be in the niches, but the niche still needs to be deep enough that a critical mass of people care about it. Now, obviously, money and personal finance are pretty universal topics. This is stuff that touches everyone's lives. I think FI or financial independence was uh, a hot sub-niche of personal finance to tackle. And similar to the side hustle show, I think it has a broad appeal. Normally, the advice is to niche down And I think there's definitely some wisdom to that, but there's a balance to strike, right? Where there's still enough people who care and you can find them. So in a way, the popularity and the viability and the profitability of the existing FI resources validated Choose FI for Jonathan and Brad. There were already a ton of blogs talking about financial independence and a few podcasts that covered it here and there, but very few podcasts were 100% dedicated to it, yet there was very clearly a hungry audience. So that's takeaway number one, tackle a big enough market. Number two is to engage that audience, ask for feedback, refer to them by name, include their voice if you can. This is something that Jonathan and Brad have done extremely well with, and it's made their audience feel like they're part of the show and part of the community. And in this case, because of the subject matter, I think the audience feels like they're part of this cool alternative optimized lifestyle movement. And that's really powerful stuff if you can put yourself at the center of that kind of like long-term life goal. And then of course, the other thing that Choose FI has done really well is telling listeners how they can support the show. Engagement plus a call to action. Takeaway number three is if you can't be first, be different. That was a powerful little soundbite and I think a really important one. If other people are already covering the topic that you wanna cover, how can you be different? How can you be better? That can be in the specific niche, the specific audience that you talk to, the structure of your content, really any number of factors. But being a latecomer or a second comer to the game with the exact same proposition as the incumbent is going to make it really hard to get attention. So if you can't be first, be different. Once again, notes and links for this show, along with the free PDF highlight reel with all of Jonathan's top tips are at SideHustleNation.com slash ChooseFI. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where I'm revisiting the number one tips from my last year of guests and talking about the ones that have had the biggest impact on my life and my business. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.
Hey, you still with me? If you're thinking this financial independence stuff sounds pretty cool, you are right. Obviously, I encourage you to check out Choose FI, but I asked Jonathan what you can start doing today to accelerate your FI journey. And he said the single most important factor is your saving rate or out of every dollar that you earn, how much do you have left over after all your expenses to save or invest? I call this your personal profitability and it's the most important number you're not going to find on your tax return. Out of every dollar that you earn, how much are you going to have left over after all your expenses to save or invest? Do you run at a 20% profit margin, a 50% profit margin? Now, according to Jonathan, if you can run at a 50% savings rate for 10 to 15 years, you could theoretically reach FI then and be set for life. But you know what's discouraging? The most recent data I've seen has the national average personal or household profit margin or saving rate at just 3.1%. 3.1%. That is a recipe for a lifetime of financial dependence. So I encourage you to take a serious look at your personal profitability. Of course, there are, are a lot of levers you can pull to uh, tweak that or improve it. But the biggest of that is increasing your income. And that's what the Side Hustle Show is all about. So thank you so much for sticking with me. And here's to helping you reach that empowering moment when work becomes optional. Cheers.